Hi folks, this is Jack Spierko with another edition of the Survival Podcast. As always, one man's view of the changing world, the changing times, and the things that we can all do to live a better life. If times get tough, or even if they don't. Today is June 4th, 2014, and this is episode 1360 of the Survival Podcast. I've got a good one for you today. Uh, Dr. Stephen Lewis and his wife Janet Lewis have returned to TSP. These guys were on before. A lot of you guys have worked with them. Every single person I've heard from that's worked with them has been blown away at how effective their approach to nutrition and uh, fixing the body is. And I can tell you personally um, that I decided to give them a go. And when people um, make claims that Dr. Lewis does about being able to have such a big and dramatic impact on people's lives, my spider sense immediately goes up and my skepticism comes up and... As such, since my wife Dorothy wanted to give it a try, I said, go ahead and do it, and she did. And so far, as you'll hear later today, her results have been amazing. So uh, sometimes you can be skeptical and be wrong. I'd say that was the case with uh, with Dr. Lewis, and uh, I'm glad to say that uh, I've heard from many of you guys that have come to the same conclusion. Anyway... Before I bring on Dr. Lewis and his wife, Janet, let's go ahead and take care of our sponsors. Sponsor of the day, number one today, Fortress Defense Consultants. Hey, look, i got to put it to you this way. There's a lot of people out there with a lot of guns and a lot of accessories and a lot of gear and a lot of stuff, and they even shoot a lot, and they feel like they're prepared for anything that could ever happen. The reality is if you've never had professional training, you're, you're probably not prepared for most of the things that actually do happen the way that they happen. You need real-world, realistic training so that if you ever do have to rely on your weapon, you're able to use it effectively. With that, I suggest that you get some training, and I suggest you consider Frank Sharp Jr. and Fortress Defense Consultants for that training. You want to talk about somebody with excellent feedback. Every person that's been has said it's been an amazing experience. It changed the way that they think about self-defense. Remember, if you can't get to Indiana, Frank does do remote training. He'll come to you, especially if you can put a group together. Why not go to that church group or your prepper group or whatever? Get five, six, seven guys together and contact Frank and see what he can do in an area near you. He'll be happy to do it. Check him out today, FortressDefense.com. Next up today, hey, you know what? We all have a finite ability to store food. We have budgetary limitations, and we have spatial limitations. And frankly, the stuff that stores a really long time ain't the stuff that we want to eat all the time. So it makes sense to become a producer, not just a consumer of food. If you want to do that, get over to BackyardFoodProduction.com and get Marjorie Wildcraft's DVD series, Growing Your Groceries. She'll show you how to turn your backyard into a food production machine. And whether you have a tenth of an acre in the suburbs or ten acres in the country or a thousand acres way, way out in the country, one way or another, you can adapt Marjorie's techniques up or down to suit your needs. Check her out today. BackyardFoodProduction.com Next up today, I want to remind you guys about the Member Support Brigade. Please consider joining. You do that, you support the show at 18.3 cents per episode. And uh, you will get over $150 worth of free eBooks on the day that you sign up that will more than cover the value of your membership in and of themselves. You'll get great discounts, uh, such as discounts uh, to many of our sponsors and discounts to many of our supporting vendors as well. Uh, and I'll tell you what, it is a great deal. 
It more than pays for itself. That's how I built the program, and I'm always looking to increase the value in the program. Again, if you want to know more about this, just go to the survivalpodcast.com and click on members or look for the member support brigade banner in one of the columns to the right. If you are a military person, uh, prior service or active duty, or, or a first responder like an EMT, a paramedic, or a firefighter, Uh, or a member of the Peace Corps, or a law enforcement officer. Any of those, you qualify for our service discount. If you email me before, not after you join, put service discount in the subject line. Send that email to Jack at thesurvivalpodcast.com. Just one or two sentences. Tell me about your service. And again, it's for prior service and active duty both, not just retired and active duty. If you've served, you've served, and I give you the discount to thank you for that service. Uh, with that wrapped up, let's get into the year that was the episode. The year was 1360, because the episode is 1360. TSP Wiki is back up after a momentary lapse of being gone tomorrow, or to yesterday. Jeez, I'm off my rocker, ain't I? So anyway, that Wiki was down for a little while yesterday. It's back now. And... Uh, You should get over there. You should get over to TSP Wiki to see all the history segments I don't read on the air because there's usually two or three a day and I only read one. And all the other great stuff that's at the Wiki, man. The Wiki is run by a really dedicated group of guys, but they could use your help. You know you can be a contributor to our Wiki, but Jack, I don't know how to edit a Wiki. Yeah, you do. All you got to do is go over there and go to our training centers, videos and everything. And it's so simple. It's so easy. And when you're thinking there should be a page about where the page about this should have this on it, It's a duocracy. You don't have to ask permission. Just get in there and edit. Stick with uh, stick with kind of the theme that we're going on, and, and don't be putting you know pages in there about minutia. And you know you'll get along just fine with everybody that's already over there. But the history segment is something Alex does on his own. And today's episode in 1360, the workers get effed. It's not that kind of effing either. It's a different kind of eff. The English Parliament has ordered stocks. Not the kind you buy, the kind they put your head and feet and hands in. To be set up in every town to punish and humiliate laborers who refuse to comply with wage and price fixing. As a further measure, the letter F will be branded onto the forehead of every violator. The F probably stands for fugitive since the labor laws forbid the workers from moving economic, to economically better areas where they might get a better wage or be able to farm a more productive plot of land. So if you remember at this point, there basically is a huge shortage of labor because so many people like died. So the king and his nobles have decided you shalt not leave where thou art. Thou shalt stay and worketh in thy crappy place, and thy shall take thy crappy wage, and thy shall sell thy, thy wares for thy crappy price, because we said so. And of course, people aren't doing it, because the market sets its own rate. Uh, here's Alex Shrug's take. It seems ridiculous to forbid the movement of workers, but frankly, landowners can't move either, because most of the landowners are land-rich and cash-poor right now. It's difficult to buy and sell large plots of land without coins. If grandpa, if grandma is saving her silver dollars in a silver, in a coffee can, or grandpa's saving his, his silver dollars in a coffee can under his bed to buy a new phone or plow horse, those coins are out of circulation until grandpa finally buys the plow horse. At this time, silver mines in the north are all played out, so they can't create new coins. In the modern day, those who want to link the dollar to silver often don't realize that the money supply would contract so severely that almost all commerce would stop until equilibrium was reached, and most businesses would not survive that, sh that short of chaos. 
President ja- Andrew Jackson tried it when he took down the Second Bank of the United States, Federal Reserve of his day. That effort damn near wrecked the country. It's a cruel irony that his face adorns a $20 Federal Reserve note. If he was alive today, he would probably shoot the bastard who thought to place his image there. Yeah, I think Andy Jackson probably would. He probably wouldn't shoot him. He'd probably use a sword. Andy liked the sword. He liked the sword because he got cut in the head with it by a, a British soldier before the revolution when he was a young boy. So uh, I guess he decided that he would use it himself. Anyway, um, I don't completely agree with Alex's take. See, here's what happened. Let's let's look at how this actually happened. The King of England, because we know the previous history stories, right? The King of England decided to make more coins. So he made a hybrid coin. He put some silver in the coin, not all silver in the coin. And this freaked everybody out who took all the coins that were minted this way and used them for nothing but to pay back the king for taxes and such. And nobody else wanted it. And everybody else hoarded all the other money. So this wasn't a problem with a silver shortage. This was a silver shortage created by government mucking around with the money. See? That's how it works. As for equilibrium and if we went to a, a metal standard for money, I don't, I'm not saying we should. Right? I think there's good and bad to a silver standard, a gold standard, a gold and silver standard, a bimetallic standard, a trimetallic standard. You know, but if we did, things would work themselves out rather quickly. What would happen is an ounce of silver would probably be worth about $500 to $1,000, like almost immediately. And an ounce of gold would trade somewhere between ten and fifteen thousand dollars. I'm not kidding. Because the pressure on the supply would dictate the value. And that would be the founder of equilibrium. There's more to the story too with the Andrew Jackson thing. See, it's always painted that way in history that what happened was that Jackson did this, paid the national debt off in full, by the way. And uh, got rid of the bank and went to you know hard money, and that immediately sent the country into a recession, and then a depression, and almost destroyed us. Well, that's what they want you to believe. What really happened? Well, there was only so much gold and silver around. That much is true. And the people that had the money were the bankers, and the bankers, as a response to what Jackson did, bought up the silver and gold and held on to it and contracted the money supply to manipulate the market and get their their fingers back into the pie. And they did so at such exorbitant rates, and when the Civil War came around, they wanted to charge so much money to push money into circulation in the North that Lincoln, through them out again, and created the greenback where they just printed money. Which, by the way, actually worked. And it didn't stop working until after the war's end when the bankers once again created a crisis so that they could regain control, eventually leading up to 1913 and the installation of the Federal Reserve, where many crises were manufactured. It's not that simple. Now, the problem is that, of course, if you went to just a metallic standard, it is subject to market manipulation, very much so. There is only so much silver and gold. But if you didn't give the people in government, the power to aid and abed the thieves and criminals that do this, it would be very difficult in today's day and age to really do that. Though I think there are better solutions for our money than silver and gold. I think the best solution for our money would be let anybody use any money they want in any way that they want. 
whether it's Bitcoin or Litecoin or silver or gold, the government can just stay out of it. They can just stay out of it. What about taxes? Taxes? If there's going to be taxes, it should only be on commerce. How about that? Sales tax only. That's it. That's all you get. And it should be paid in kind. Right? If, it, if, if Litecoin's good enough for the merchant, it's good enough for Caesar. Well, they don't want Litecoin. Well, then they can take nothing. That's their two choices. They can either take taxes in kind or nothing. be amazing to see how quickly the government would figure out how to use these other forms of currency really, really fast. But what about we'd figure it out if we'd give it a try? Anyway, with that, let's go ahead and get into the main topic of today's show. Again, um, a lot of you guys have given me great feedback on, on these two guests, and that's why I decided to have them back on again. I did ask them to put together some material for us so we could not just talk about what they do and more talk about the reasons they need to do what they do. What's going on in our food supply? What's going on with agriculture? How many toxins are coming into our bodies on a daily basis? What limits are there on toxins? You know, what amount of toxicity does the government say is perfectly acceptable for you to feed your baby every day? Things like that. And I'm going to learn some things in this interview because this was done yesterday. And I always pre-record the uh, the intro segment. I learned some things in this this interview that I did not know about agriculture and fertilizer and things like that. So it's always great when I can talk to someone uh, in areas that I'm well versed and then learn a lot more. And I learned a ton in this interview. And uh, with that, let me say, uh, hey, Dr. Stephen Lewis and uh, and Janet Lewis, welcome back to the Survival Podcast, guys. Hey, good to be here. So now you guys are going to have to, on your end, decide who speaks when. I can't police that for you. But uh, if you guys could, uh, one at a time, give us a little bit of uh, background about you. We've had you on the show before, uh, and I'll update people on some of the things I've heard back from the audience on you guys' approach. But just kind of what, who are you, what are you doing, and how would you end up there, the elevator version? <laughs> well, I'm, I'm Stephen Lewis. I'm a chiropractor by training, but you know, from the beginning, I saw that there was a lack of nutrients. And uh, in, 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 symptoms actually are caused by either having too many toxins in our body, which I hope to talk about a lot today, and a lack of nutrients to pull them out. So I, I've just kind of gone on to become more of a nutritionalist and much less of a chiropractor, especially because of the Affordable Care Act. And we're seeing more and more people get well from things that. They just couldn't get well for many, many years, and we're getting emails that make us cry. That they're so grateful. So it's, it's all about letting the body take care of itself. And it's very similar to what you're promoting, Jack. Is you know the permaculture and building back the soil and giving back to the earth. Well, you do that personally as well as you know, on a larger scale, and that's kind of what we do. And we use low-cost lab work to do that so that we can verify results. You know, and I was actually with what you just said there about it being like soil health and taking care of the soil. It it, it it was what I was thinking before you said it because it really is. And I think there's a lot of times that we take the same approach to human beings that we take to agriculture, and they're both disastrous. And what yes. I mean by that is you have a symptom, so I treat it by giving you something that makes the symptom go away. So right. I have a plant that's showing a lack of phosphorus, so. I give it a nutrient, phosphorus, and I dump it on in chemical form. Well, then we have situations, and I think there's probably situations like this, where people are getting the nutrients, but they can't absorb them because of not fixing the original problem. Uh, and then going back to the soil, down in uh, you know southwest of, of where I live, uh, pecans are a big thing. They're probably big out your way, too, but there's tons yeah. of pecan plantations southwest of me. They 
have major problems with a lack of phosphorus. But if you test the soil, it's drowning in it. But the tree can't get to it. Mm-hmm. Right? Because they've put this artificial bandage on for so long that it's, it's, it's now basically inert to the tree. The tree doesn't have the other nutrients it needs so that it can take the phosphorus up. And I imagine the human body can often have the same thing. You can dump all of you want of one thing on it, but if you don't get rid of the thing that's inhibiting its uptake, it won't work. You know, I, I think you're absolutely right, and you have to work really hard at first. You know, as a lot of people, we, we hear that. Well, it's, it's hard to get that down, but as you know, I, I planted 49 pecan trees, but I didn't do the hard work up front. The deer rubbed their antlers and broke some. The pigs, you know, got a bunch of them, and, and the the hay guy said, well, my depth perception's not good, so I cut some down. And then the drought got some. Well, I should have put the work in to start with, and I would have had 49 pecan trees instead of the six that's left. <laughs> and people say, but, you know, I'm taking these supplements. And, you know, supplements, most of them are really not good. Even though we push supplements, they're not that good. And it's a lack of proper digestion and lack of proper microbes in the gut system. And microbes are incredibly important in the soil, and we've killed them with the fertilizer. Correct. And, like, so you're talking about, like, these nutrients. So let's say we do have a person, and let's say they even get a quality supplement, and they're deficient in calcium. Well, if all they do is add the calcium and they don't add the other nutrients that are needed so the body can utilize the calcium, you might as well just flush it down the toilet right from the get-go. Absolutely. And on that note, I just want to say that your approach I know works, and I know it works from the audience, and I know it works personally because my wife's been following your protocol for a while, and it's a lot of stuff. And what, what, what amazed me most was when we went over her blood work, any MD would have said, in range, in range, a little bit, but eh, fine, blah, 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 good, 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 good. And the way you phrased that to me was basically when they say normal, that's like when you go to the state fair and you look at everybody waiting in line for a corn dog, <laughs> that means your levels are like theirs, and that's not where you want to be. <laughs> uh, as she sticks with it, she's going to look at you and say, Jack, you're younger, better looking and richer. I don't know what it is about you, but really that's going to be about her internal health. That's awesome. I tell you what, she's been telling me how great I am lately a lot more. (laughs) You're welcome. (laughs) I appreciate it. And I've heard from a lot of audience members, and basically, uh, just for for the audience that hadn't heard your first interview, what you guys do is you take a very in-depth profile blood work. And you look at all of these nutrient levels, all of these levels uh, in the body, and say, these may, you know, you might go, this one's really bad. But most of the time what you're saying is this is not optimum. Right. And then you come up with a program designed to optimize those levels to peak health or, you know, high health versus regular. Because regular, as far as I'm concerned anymore, average sucks. <laughs> you're right. The best of the worst. <laughs> All right, so let, let's get into kind of the stuff you wanted to come on and talk today about because you want to talk about a lot of the things that, that cause these problems. Because when I was a kid, my grandparents ate anything they wanted, and they were in pretty good shape. I have a Ukrainian grandmother. Ukrainian grandmothers eat food that you just think would kill a person to look at it. <laughs> we had something called machanka. I'm, I kid you not, machanka is where you take a big pile of cheese and you melt it with cream until it's a soup. 
And then you take butter and you clarify butter and you get the, the thick part of the butter off so it'll float right. And you put onions in there until they're soft. And then you take the clear butter and the onions. You put a bowl full of that cheese and you ladle that butter and onions on there and you eat it with Jewish rye bread. Okay, <laughs> that should give you a heart attack hearing me say it. But these people were healthy. And I think a lot of it is they weren't taking things into their bodies that we are. So you have two problems today. You know, what was... What isn't in the food that used to be, and what is in the food that didn't used to be. And if we look at something like a tomato, I mean, when somebody buys a tomato, is is that really a tomato as we think of it? I mean, what's happening to our food? It, you know, it's not even close to what it used to be, and you summed it up. I mean, we could stop the show right now if you wanted to. It's what's <laughs> in your food that you didn't used to be, which I'd love to talk more about. And what's not in the food? Well, you know, the food grown in the 90s has been shown to be like 6% less to 76% less nutrients than what it was back in the, you know, 50s. And now, you know, what's that, 24 years later, those those crops have gone down about another 37% in nutrient levels. And that's why, you know, as I listen to your podcast, I think, man, this guy's brilliant, or you're bringing brilliant people on, uh, talking about building the soil. You know how I build my soil around my remaining plants, and, you know, I plant a lot of stuff. Uh, I go get composted cow manure, but it's from a dairy farm where the guy will not use antibiotics unless the cow is actually sick, mm-hmm. and he will not grain feed his cows because he says, well, grass-fed cows are healthy. And this guy's from Holland. He knows all about being healthy on a small piece of land and being very productive with what he had in Holland. Now he's got like 20 times more land. He says, oh, this is so good, so good. This is special. (laughs) So we use the composted cow manure, and there's a company, and there may be a lot of these companies, but there's a company up in Kansas City called Sustainable Community Development that promotes or, or makes probiotics or the microorganisms that will heal the soil. Yeah, and there's so much loss there that these plants can't get to the nutrients is, is exactly what it is, even when they are. We said the nutrients are gone from the soil. Well, most of the minerals in our soil are from decomposed rock. That's how they get there. Yes. So they're there. Sooner or later, if you go deep enough, you find rocks. And what's happened is the life web in the soil and the excites that the fungus touch the rock, and that little drop of acid comes out, and the fungus takes up some of that nutrient and uses it and passes it on to the plant in return for carbohydrate. That process is gone. So when you're adding that cow manure, what you're actually doing is putting life into the soil so that the natural process is you're not getting all that mineral from the cow. Some of it you are, but a lot of it's just getting out of the soil that was already there. That life's coming back into it. And that's why that tomato doesn't have that nutrient in it. it. It just it can't. It's impossible. You could you could build a powder of the perfect makeup and dump it on the ground, and without certain interactions with the soil life, the plant can't get the nutrient. Just like our bodies can't get the nutrient sometimes, um, because even though it's there, the other things it needs to get it can't get it. And then you know, tell us what happens as far as. Let's mess it up even more. What What's in the food that wasn't? <laughs> well, uh, let me back up one minute. Okay. Like in some of the tomatoes, they'll have like 68 parts per million of manganese, and in other tomatoes, one part. So there's such a variance. Okay. Such a huge variance. So when you're talking about what's in our stuff, and, and we'll get to the fertilizer maybe in a little bit, but 
Let me start with our water. You got chloride and fluoride in our water that raises cholesterol, causes you know brain defects and depression and all that. But then you're spraying like America has about 1,200 approved pesticides on the market. Europe only has 400, and then they're very, very judicious about the way they use them in Europe. So you've got the glyphosate. Well, don't get me started on that. That's one of the worst things that's ever happened to us is Monsanto, which is not a seed company. It's a chemical company. Correct. Anything that comes from Monsanto, we should all be boycotting because sooner or later, sooner or later, if you vote enough with your pocketbook and refuse to buy that bad stuff, bad word, at the grocery <laughs> store, they're going to change. You know, most of what we eat has been banned in about, or, or at least labeled in 68 different countries. And Janet and I have been blessed to have gone and spent just a little bit of time in different places in Europe and 10 days in China. And it's like, well, it's not like we know what's going on in the rest of the world, but we got a better idea than most people. Yeah, and you know what? Your comment about voting actually does work. Monsanto is now looking at going into the organic market, uh, and that's clearly from demand. I'm concerned that eventually they'll try to convince us that GMO is organic, but they're doing basic breeding again because they know that it sells. And if, if no one will eat the atrazine-soaked corn or the glyphosate-soaked soy, then they'll stop producing it because then the farmer won't pay them for the seed or the chemical because the farmer can't sell it. So, I mean, it is that simple. We are the product of our own choice. And that's why, as much as I don't like Walmart, I was really glad to see them bringing in more and more organics because at least, and they admitted, well, the customer voted for this, and that's what we're going to deliver. Well, and they got rid of the pink slime the minute people wouldn't eat that meat anymore. I mean, it, when, when people started coming in and going, where is the meat that's not got pink slime in it? And they didn't have an answer. They went, we got, we, well, since we'd like to sell meat, we need to get rid of this stuff. And and I've seen things like the other thing I've seen in Walmart, it's not organic, but the naturally grown chicken. Yeah. Uh, it has the family name that grew the chicken on the on the chicken. And when you, I'm not saying it's the best product you can get, but if you pull a, a drumstick out of a pack that says Tyson or Purdue on it and pull it out of that white and green family labeled um, uh, natural chicken and just look at it, you can see the difference. And if you really want to know the difference, smell it. And you can taste the difference. And You, you can definitely taste it. Let me throw in Pilgrims because we have people that oh, grow yeah. for Tyson and Pilgrims. And of the chicken farmers that come in here to get healthy, to get rid of the arsenic and all the other things that they're exposed to, None of them will eat the chicken that they grow. Well, they grow them in 48, 49 days, a chicken twice as big as it used to take three, four months to grow. No sunlight. Oh, yeah, that's a big thing. No sunlight. You know, you can walk in and make them have heart attacks just by putting them under stress. They can barely walk. I've been in these chicken houses. It is scary, and I won't, you know, I won't support that. Well, they also say that chickens have a 100% vegetarian diet. And that's well, there's not, only one way to do that, and that is to imprison a chicken in a place with no bugs. Because if you let a chicken on pasture, <laughs> that just went out the window, right? Yeah, and people say, oh, I'm getting the vegetarian-fed eggs. I said, well, they're not healthy. You no. know, they don't want to hear about what my chickens eat. You know, some of these people say, well, your eggs are better than these $9 a dozen eggs I'm buying that claim to be organic. I said, well, yeah, they're eating June bugs and worms and snakes and mice. And they say, ooh, I don't yeah. want to know. And my my eggs are absolutely awesome, but... Well, know. they're yellow, 
it, that if people will come in here and they're like, how come your eggs taste good? We've been conditioned over time to lose our taste. Things don't have taste to them like they used to when they were grown on a farm. Yeah, I had somebody that actually complained about my eggs and said, what's that flavor? I said, that would be egg flavor. <laughs> we told one lady, well, our egg, our chickens eat bugs. And she's like, ooh, really? I'm like, yeah, really? <laughs> yeah, shocking, I know. Um, we had a listener that wrote in that she started keeping chickens, and she said that her mother-in-law was over, and when she found out that they had chickens, and she said, well, what do you do with them? She said, they lay eggs, and we eat these eggs. Uh, her mother-in-law said, you eat them right out of the chicken's butt? <laughs> right? And and the lady looked at her for a second, like, was that real or a joke or whatever, and realized she was serious and said, well, where do you think your eggs come from? <laughs> and she said her mother-in-law's face, like, paused a second and then got this kind of ill look to it as though she had eaten eggs her whole life without ever understanding they came out of a chicken's butt. And and then they package them in styrofoam. And, you know, styrene is one of the most toxic things on the planet. So you ask, well, what's in our tomato? Well, if it's plastic wrapped, it has an outgassing of all these plastics, the PCBs and dioxins and, you know, mercury and you know, all these things. I don't even know all of them, the BPAs. And these mimic estrogen, and that is why that there's so many young girls that are developing breast in a menstrual cycle five, six, seven years earlier than normal, and that's why all the little boys have low testosterone. And is there something to the phytoestrogens in soy with that as well? Absolutely. You should never consume soy unless it's non-genetically modified, organic, and fermented. Okay. I buy that. Well, see, I've been saying that for years that the, the the phytoestrogens in soy are a huge part of our problem. Well, and you know, there's some of those supplements that we can isolate good things from the soy, and and the main thing sure. a man should avoid is soy protein. But you know, it's a hard thing; it's a long-term thing to drag these toxins out of a body because you're getting at least 500 different ones in every day. So it, it doesn't matter if you get a big load out; you're putting a big load back in. So the net gain is small, and it's slow. And most people have stuck with it, and they're doing really, really good. That's the hard part. And it's hard for me, and it's hard for Janet. But we we see, you know, the long term, because in regards to your health or in regards to the planet. One of these days we're going to say, I wish I had, or we're going to say, I'm glad I did. Yeah, yeah, I concur. So on the fertilizer, this is something I took a lot of heat for, and I think the audience has gotten more educated to it over time, but I've always been of the opinion that these chemical fertilizers are, are damaging. And what I've heard from people, especially farmers, that are doing the best they can is, hey, look, we don't spray with toxins and all, but if there's nothing wrong with fertilizer, fertilizer's fine. And when I say fertilizer, I don't mean compost manure or compost or mulch. I mean NPK. Can you talk about kind of what some of the problems associated with chemical fertilizers are? Yeah, I'd love to. And this is something you won't hear a lot of. You kind of have to search this out, that using the commercial fertilizer actually increases gluten intolerance. Now, we could get into the wheat as, you know, 100 or 1,000 times more gluten than it did 100 or 1,000 years ago. But just using that fertilizer increases the toxicity and our allergic reaction to that. That's that's a, I actually I've never heard that. Right. I've always been more along the lines of the whole thing we were talking about earlier with the life web and the soil, and by using chemical fertilizers, then you stop using organic matter, so then the life web falls apart. Because I don't know if you remember when you were in school and they showed you a thing in your science book, and there was like a 
a lion at the top of it, and the lion ate the, you know, the gazelle, and the gazelle ate the grass and all. Well, down inside the soil, there's a, there's multiple layers of webs like that of predators and prey within the soil. So that was always my concern. So what you're saying is just by throwing that on, on, the, on the soil, just using that MPK, are we increasing the gluten and its toxicity or just our reaction to the gluten itself? We're including increasing the amount of gluten according to what I'm reading. And again, that's not really wow. common knowledge. A lot of things that, well, you're talking about the life web of the soil. Hey, that's not very well known. You're one of the few that you don't seem to know about it. That's something that may be the buzzword or the fad in 10 or 20 years. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. It's too bad it's going to be that long. It'll probably be at least that long before people get this. I, I think in some ways we're going to have to have a major crash in health. Like even as bad as it is, it's going to have to get worse for people to go. Oh, I get it. Because I imagine like if you have a client that just wants to get healthier, getting them to follow the protocol, depends <clears throat> on how motivated they are and all. But if you have someone that's already had like a, a mild heart attack and then they come to you, they're probably ready to play ball. Well, yes. I think that society has to have its minor heart attack, or maybe its major heart attack, before it, it, it accepts the fact we just can't keep doing things this way. Because my opinion is, and your facts seem to back this up, that if if society continues this way, it's not just that it's bad and it's going to stay bad. It is going to get worse. Yeah, and I see the pendulum swinging back toward health and knowledge and all that, but it's a very, very slow process. And I, I think you're right, the majority still dumb as a sack of rocks. And, you know, you want to talk about the NPK. The, the ammonium nitrate actually replaces in the plant where calcium, magnesium, and potassium would normally go. Oh. There's your heart attack right Ooh. there. There's wow. your leg. There's, there's a huge problem. So I didn't. I didn't get that. So it almost works like a pharmaceutical does in our body sometimes. There's certain pharmaceuticals that like they'll 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 go into a receptor and they'll occupy that space so that something else can't. So yeah. this actually does that to the plant. So the plant can't get the because, uh, wow. Well, that's that's, um, that's there's there's where you, what I was saying about you can dump all the mineral nutrient you want onto the onto the pasture. If the plant can't get it, it doesn't matter. It might as well not be there. Well, that's that's absolutely right. You know, there was a, a one huge study I read. The government actually did over 100,000 pesticide tests, and that was in about nine years' worth. They found there was 192 different residues that were te detected on the food, and that's our government talking. So you can figure, well, that was downplayed. You know, yeah, sometimes getting healthy can be overwhelming, and and there's a few people that, you know, drop out of our program, and it's like, well, I, I don't want to overwhelm you, but here's the thing you've got to realize. you got to bust your butt for a little while, and when the government says 192 different residues, and these things can cause all kinds of diseases and any diseases, and this is medical research. I can read research out the but but they still say the same thing. If you've got a symptom, you need to detox because you've got some sort of chemical in there that's causing your body to, say, the beta amylase uh, enzyme. It stops that enzyme pathway, which decreases something called cytokines, which increases your chance of cancer by 900%. 
Well, that's what I was looking for. My cancer chances to go up nine hundred percent. That was. <laughs> I was just you know saying the other day, it's too bad Amazon doesn't sell that. <laughs> Well, and that's why it's best to get back to the soil. And I, I've got to admit, I don't grow a whole lot of stuff. I put out plums and lots of grapes and blackberries and blueberries and figs, pear trees, my peach Sounds trees. Sounds pretty good to me. 40, <laughs> 49 pecan trees. of I've only got six left, that's but I'm going to remedy that. But, uh, you know. And we can taste the difference. We can feel the difference. And, you know, Janet certainly does not look her age and doesn't act her age. I don't know about me, depending on who's judging that. But I would caution the listeners. Everything depends on the content and the context in which it's given. So there's a lot of people that's out there telling the truth, but they're only telling 10% of the truth. And then all communication has a problem with what is that person deleting and what are they distorting? Anybody that's been married understands that. Yeah, definitely. Honey, does this pair of jeans make my butt look fat? <laughs> and I say, do I look like I'm stupid? <laughs> <laughs> so consider the content and the context and say, yeah. well, if they say this, what's being distorted, which I'm talking about government studies, what's yeah. being deleted? Uh, and I don't know how you feel about global warming, but I've got several Bonafide, certified meteorologists said, well, they just dropped out the, the studies that would make it look like it's no, warm, and it's really not. that's true, and it'll totally piss off 10% of the audience that are true believers in what I call the religion of global warming. But <laughs> this latest IPC, ISPC report that came out, there were several scientists that by the time the UN got done with it, and these are even scientists that basically say, yeah, it's real, by the time the U.N. got done with it, they asked to have their names removed from the report because it was so sensationalized. They did not want to be associated with the report, even though they were the ones that did the research. So even the people that are believers in, the, in what I call the cult of global warming that, that <laughs> really did the real work, that believe there's something to it, said – you you damaged my work so bad, I don't want to be involved with this anymore. <laughs> Get my name off of the report. And that will not be in the news. That I mean, I don't know if you guys are familiar. You're, you're a bit east of me. We have a local guy here that does car radio, uh, a car show on the radio on weekends named Ed Wallace. That's how I know about that. So if I hadn't just happened to have to go somewhere on a Saturday and listen to that, I wouldn't even know about that. And that's... That's, I guess, neither here nor there, but I think that this that, that whole rat hole is nothing but another example of government abusing its people. And, and, and I'm not saying that the environment is super and we don't need to fix anything, because I'm trying to fix it every day. Right. But they're pointing to the air you exhale and saying toxin, uh, and that's toxin from oil, when there's, you know, 5 billion uh, different toxins being released every day from fossil fuels and from chemicals and from everything else and saying, don't worry about that, look over here. And whenever anybody's doing that, that's the magician with the pretty girl spinning around while he's hiding something. <laughs> that's what I'm talking about, about distortion. Uh, yeah, you know, there's plenty of research that says exhaust fumes, especially diesels, can create heart attacks, uh, can create cancer, but there's a lot more to the cancer issue. One of the things we've noticed since the Gulf oil spill is there is, on the Gulf Coast, there is a major, major increase in Lou Gehrig's disease, or ALS. 
Really? We don't know if that's because of the oil spill or because of the surfactants they put in there to break it up. But it's like, it's not a 10% increase. It's like, holy Jesus, where are these people coming from? And ALS is like, people ask us once in a while, can you do something about it nutritionally? And the short answer is no, we can't. It's because the excess pollutants in our environment, the first thing we should clean up is our food. Yeah. Our soil. The water. You got women putting birth control pills and prescription drugs down the toilets. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there was a little 12-year-old girl that did a, a water study out of the Mississippi River down toward New Orleans, and the things that was in the water, you know, coming from wherever the Mississippi starts up in north, I guess around Illinois, uh, she she just blew them away. And birth control pills, and again, that's part of the, well, the scientists are saying, we don't know why fish have male and female genitalia. <laughs> yes, you know yes, why. You do. Jack, and it's not just the birth control pills either, man. I'll tell you, I had a listener send me two, two pictures. These were actual pictures from her work, and she's the one that has to do this at her work. And she's like, I don't say what state I'm in, I could lose my job for this, but basically it was two sacks. Like you, like when we were kids, you used to take lunch to school in a sack. Back, remember in the old days when you walked the hill up both ways uphill to school <laughs> back then? Yeah, I did that. Two sacks completely full that looked like M&Ms. There were so many different colors. And she works in a, um, a, like a geriatric old folks home, and they have to have certain medications on hand at all times. And when it expires, they dispose of it. And the way they dispose of it is they open it all, punch it all out of the cards and whatever, put it in these sacks, and then she takes it and dumps it down the toilet. Well, that's one. That's just one. Mm -hmm. Put more Xanax in it. You know, we can all not care. (laughs) Roll it up and smoke it. Well, what we're finding is people are coming in here and they're, you know, like you said, they might have had a mild heart attack. Well, they're given a host of medications that they're supposed to be on. It's like seven or eight yeah, um, yeah. A cocktail. And it's standard. It's not individualized. And, no, and they ridiculous in itself. And then they don't want to take the those prescriptions. And so we tell them, well, now with insurance involved with our unaffordable health care, they know when you're not refilling those prescriptions and they write them letters and tell them they will not pay for their next heart attack if they don't take those drugs. So, so I, then you're going to, you're going to, if you don't want to take them, you're going to fill your prescription and, and pitch them. They well, dump them in the toilet. And I tell sure. them, don't do that because now we're all absorbing all of this. Well, that's what happened to a friend of mine. They sent him a letter that says, you're not taking your statin drugs and da 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 da. We're not going to cover anything that's heart related. And I looked at his lab and I said, well, your liver enzymes look like you have hepatitis. We know you don't have hepatitis. And ask them if they're going to pay for your $600,000 liver transplant. Well, he could afford to. He could just bought his statins and dumped them in the toilet. Yeah. Because it was killing him. That's unbelievable. That's There's another thing I didn't know. Um, what about, I've got in your notes here some stuff you wanted to cover. One was uh, like genetically engineered toxins like RBST. <laughs> well, guess who's the first one to take them out? And it was Walmart is because we voted yep. with our wallets. Yeah, uh, you know that is one of the worst things that's ever come onto the planet. And you know, I've talked to a lot of your listeners, your followers, and and God, I've loved them all. They're they're incredible, and they're saying, but I like milk. I'm not totally paleo. And I said, well, that's okay. Go paleo primal. You know, ease off a little bit, but do it 80 or 90 percent. You're fine. And they're doing their own cow's milk. And I said, but the problem with that, even an organic cow, 
if you milk it too long and this the organic you buy in the supermarket is milked for 10 months out of the year so they naturally have extra high estrogen so you're still getting an overabundance of estrogen even in organic milk mm. so guys if you're growing breasts that you need to buy a broth from look at your milk or women, if you have breast on your back, you need <laughs> you might have an estrogen problem. I, I guess unless you're in what was that movie, uh, Total Recall. I mean, anyway, um, yeah, there's uh, there's there's a, a lot to that, and I mean, but that stuff, even though you know, like you said, Walmart was the first people to get rid of it. There's still plenty of it around. Yeah, it really is. And, and, you know, that's a good thing to avoid. And we wonder, we want the best for our children. Well, the best thing you can do to get your children healthy is for you to get educated and, and make good choices. Now, I'm a big one of, like, I think the Internet's been a really, really good thing, and it's been a horrible thing because people get on the Internet, they get a little bit of information, they don't necessarily use the spirit of discernment with the information they get, and they go out and mess it up on, you know, by not having enough knowledge. Or a coach, I've realized since trying to grow so many trees and grapes and, and pecans that, oh, well, guess what? I guess I need to listen to Jack and his show and the people he brings on more than I have. So I didn't know about you then. So listen to the experts. Let them guide you at least somewhat. And, you know, I've seen people... This is probably out of turn, so please forgive me, but there's a lady who's been doing it on her own up in Montana, sweet, sweet, sweet lady, and she finally started letting me guide her, and she wrote us an email last night, came in at 10 o'clock, that when Janet read it, it made me cry about how much we could guide, and she'd done a good job, but she's gotten such, oh my God, incredible results just because she used my guidance. So, you know, Jack, I'm listening to all your stuff now because I need to learn how to grow this stuff because... uh, Pecan trees are expensive. I don't want to blow them anymore and let them die. Yeah, yeah. Oh, pecans are expensive. I lost one, and I'm not happy about. It. <laughs> uh, but I lost mine because I ran a workshop and put it in the ground, and uh, about three days before we got a huge frost, and that tree would not have had any problems with all of the frost if it was established. But uh, oh, yeah. there's there's some things we can do on on your pecans that are pretty uh, low tech that'll that'll fix them for you. But um, we also have like this net gain of of toxins, right? So we have more toxins, and then we have a net loss of nutrients. So when a person realizes that, where do they start? I mean, because people feel like, okay, I get the problem. What what the hell do I do about it? Because you're talking about growing your own stuff and all, because on some levels you have to, because even even some of the organic stuff still has things in it that it shouldn't. And the, the more healthy food is anyway right now in general unless you're growing it yourself or locally buying it where you can find it it's more expensive yep. it's harder to find so they can only do so much on the diet side you walk into a, a, a like a grocery store or a walmart and go to the supplement section there's this stuff everywhere how's a person make head or tails of what they need to do well you know this is coming from my opinion and and our experience and janet really is as good at it as I am, probably a little better on the thyroid because she's experienced it. But, you know, here's the thing. I tell people, eat organic as much as you can. Go buy your grass-fed beef from your neighbor. Don't go down to the CAFO, what's that? uh, CAFO. Yeah. You know, where they stand in their own feces up to their knees, and you wonder why you get E. coli in your hamburger. Uh, So, yeah, do that, but... 
you have to, I don't care how much organic you eat and you need to be doing that, but there still has to be a massive amount of nutrients to allow your body to hang on to these chemicals through all kinds of different processes. Uh, so you've got to jack them up. And how do you make a decision about most of the supplements? You know, I think I said this on the first show. Supplements are like women. Some are good. Some are not very good. Some are sure not what they advertise to be once you get them home. And some of them are crazy as heck and toxic to you. Most supplements are not that good. So how do you know what to do? Well, there's only about three or four companies out there that are really, really good. I mean, really good. So you conduct your research, and then you ask an expert. That's why we document it with lab work. You know, it's, well, this isn't working. That was my choice. It's not working. Let's do something different. It was one of the things that made me take you guys differently than I have a lot of people that, that claim to be nutritionists and things like that. Um, number one, it's very difficult for me. And the supplement industry, I think, is just so full of charlatans. It does a disservice to good folks that are part of it, too. Yeah. Um, because they say, well, all you need is this, this, and this. Well, how do you know? You don't know what I you – know, I mean – you could probably tell me a few things the average American is likely to be deficient in. You know, you know that everybody's probably going to end up with these on their list. Yeah. But by actually running the blood work first, number one, you actually know. So you're actually tailoring something to, to someone that fits them. The other thing I think it is is that you're asking somebody to make a significant financial investment. I think we're probably spending as much on supplements as the lease payment on my Toyota um, uh, 4Runner. Um, but you know, I'm going to use, well, I should say Dorothy's going to use her body and mind a lot longer than we're going to use that car. So I think it's worth <laughs> it. But by having that done first, it gives the person that you're working with the confidence that like, there's a reason for this. There's yep. a reason that the, I have all of these things that I'm taking every day. And I can expect to see some of them wane off over time as, as I build back these levels up. And then you're also, if you want me to feel, you know, you can make someone think they feel better. I believe that. The placebo effect is real. Yes. We won't get into it right now, but I think it's also an unharnessed method of healing, by the way. But it is real. And a person can feel like, I feel a little better or whatever. But by setting that expectation in the beginning and measuring those levels and saying, we're going to do this again, you're creating a bar for yourself as well as the patient, right? So if they do the right things, they should see those things get better. But if they've done the right things and you claim that it works and then it doesn't, well, then obviously something's up, right? So you're actually creating your own accountability system. Well, you know, that's really true. Hope, you can't get well without it. And there's some people that have a long road to go. And I tell these people, it's like, listen, you've got an inverted differential. This is going to take a long time. You're going to have to stick with it. And it's going to be a while. You're going to have good days and bad days. You're going to have some really bad days. You're going to have some good days. Your testosterone's going up. It's going to go down. It's going to go up. It's going to go down. This is long-term. It's a commitment. <clears throat> you know, and Janet won't tell me what I'm spending on me because she says I'm the mule. I mean, I'm the horse that pulls the wagon. <laughs> I said, is this a nice way of calling me a jackass? She said, you figured me out. So, <laughs> yes, there are some generalities that everybody should take if it's from a good company. And, you know, the experts would agree on a multivitamin a fish oil, a digestive enzyme, because our digestion, that gets back to, well, it don't matter what you put in there. If your digestion's not there, you're not going to uptake it just like the soil. Uh, then a fiber, and then what's the other one? Oh, probiotics. Well, do kombucha tea, kefir, and all that other good fermented stuff also. 
I don't even agree with the fiber. If you're eating enough vegetables, you could pretty much forget about the fiber and then go for vitamin D because it's cheap and it's easy and very, very, very few vitamin Ds are working. Absolutely. So um, with all of the, the need for the nutrient, I think one of the things is we talk about these toxins. Yeah. And what I see in your notes that you prepared for me is that there's allowable levels of toxins. Yeah. What's, what's acceptable? For like, what does the government say is like it's an acceptable amount of poison for us to consume? And like, should that number be that high? Should it exist at all? Should it be zero? <laughs> it I mean, shouldn't exist at all. That's what our government is distorted as heck. It's like, well, you have an allowable amount of mercury. Well, mercury is one of the most neurotoxic things. And, you know, you can take all the probiotics in the world. But if you're full of mercury, it gets down in your small intestine and it kills the probiotics. And we're all full of it. Starting with your fillings in your teeth. <laughs> yeah. Let's make all the dentists <laughs> mad here. Uh, I had the fillings taken out of my teeth by two different dentists. They said, well, Doc, you're crazy as heck, but we're going to humor you because we're making a lot of money off of it. And you know what? I felt better after I got the mercury out. Was it the placebo effect? Uh, who knows? Yes, we should all go get quiet, walk barefoot on the ground to get rid of the bad ions. It makes us feel better. We should pray. We should meditate. We should hang around people that are upbeat and, you know, gives you encouragement, basically. Um and then, yeah, sometimes we rerun the lab, and it's like, well, you know, you're really not getting better. Are you doing it? And they say, well, yeah, I'm doing it. And I say, well, great. We're missing something with your digestion because, like you say, you can put all that stuff in the soil. But if you don't have those microorganisms you know, to do all those things that you know more about than me, it's not going to absorb. And that's why the bacteria in the soil are so important. So, so now there's something you've, you've kept kind of saying as a dig, and I like the dig that you're taking here at it, but I wonder if you could explain it more and how it's caused maybe increased fear and confusion, and that's the Unaffordable Care Act, right? It's supposed to be the Affordable Care Act or Obamacare, and you guys are calling it, I think, what it really is, the Unaffordable Care Act. Can you elaborate on what you believe is, is the best action a person could take in regard to that? Well, I'm going to stir up some controversy here, uh, but, yeah, I'll elaborate on it. You know, one of the things we've been done, had done to us, and, and I understand there's good things the government does, and we need part of it. But the problem is they've lulled us into different way of thinking about a lot of different things. They've kind of made us slaves. I look at a person with a gun now with suspicion. Now, 50 years ago, I'd say, man, are you killing any rabbits or squirrels? We took <laughs> guns to school. When I was a kid back in the 70s, it was no big deal. The principal knew I was going squirrel hunting afterwards. Not a big deal. So now even I look at guns with suspicion like, oh, what's that guy up to? Because we've been lulled through television and all kinds of other things. You tell a lie long enough and loud enough, sooner or later you begin to wonder if it's not true. And, you know, one of the things, it's harder to fool a person than it is to tell them they've been fooled. And so the same thing about what we think is food is not food. That's, you know, that's not what it was when I was a kid. And I promise you folks, if you're listening, you will never get your health breakthrough at the drive-thru. The Unaffordable Care Act, have you ever known the government to do anything with efficiency? Never, except the military because they have to. 
That's it. That's that's the one place. Well, maybe we should get my son on here talking. He's in the Air Force, and he can tell you a thing or two about that. Too. There's a lot missing there, too, but the overall military is effective at what it's supposed to But that's about the I'm, – I'm trying to give them the, like, the benefit of the doubt. Like, what's one thing they've actually pulled off with relative efficiency, and it's the overall mission of our military? Because if they don't get that right, they're screwed, and they know that. Everything but, else is an utter disaster. If – if I take the money that an average person puts into Social Security from the time they're 18 to the time they're 65 and stick it in boring, safe investments, yep. that person retires a multimillionaire, and when it goes into Social Security, they get a poverty subsistence for the rest of their life. Absolutely. If that, because the damn things, they, can, they can't even get it good enough to not go broke. <laughs> We've been taught not to take responsibility for our lives, and that's a really good example. You want to hear some of the horror stories that we've already seen about Obamacare? You know, Janet can tell you some. It's it's scary what's happened since January. Well, they they run less lab on people than what they were running, which wasn't a lot to start with. If at all. We've had them come in here with lab work where Dr. List is talking about an inverted differential. Well, that's where we see um, something called neutrophils and lymphs on a CBC, and they have actually changed positions, which means there's some sort of an underlying infection or disease process going on. Uh, when they take our labs, when they see that on there, you know, we treat it with natural products when we can, and there's sometimes it's too far gone. They'll take it to the doctor. Well, can you give me something to fix this? They said, I have a problem. And they're like, well, you've got a problem, but we don't know what it is yet. So let's just wait for the disease, and then we'll treat that disease. Or people that's waited, oh, they had a necessary surgery last year, but they waited. And now they're saying, well, I can't find a doctor yet that says it's necessary. They are handcuffed by something called standard of care. And the standards have just gotten very, very low based on the new Unaffordable Care Act. So the best thing a person can do, take responsibility for yourself, take responsibility for what you eat. I don't care if you've just got a real small plot, start growing something on it. The only thing I've seen the Unaffordable Health Care Act do is help people that could not get insurance coverage. They have allowed them to get back, have some sort of coverage, you know, because they had a pre-existing condition. They now are able to have coverage. That's the only thing I've seen happen that being said, we know a lady that works in Dallas in a cancer facility, and if they are presented with Obamacare insurance, they tell them, we can't help you. you know, I'm sorry. I'm sorry you got that insurance, but there's nothing we can do to help you. So and I've seen a lot of like cash-only clinics popping up. And you know, the thing with those is if you actually need to see the doctor, you can make an appointment online, drive there 15 minutes later, walk back in, see the doctor, be out the door in 45 minutes and done. Because they're actually efficient because they don't have to deal with all the crap. That's right. Efficient is – that's the key word. You know, I've got a MD down on the Gulf Coast, and he sticks his hand out. When you give him $60, you get his attention. I've been there twice in the last few years. He says, they told me I was going to go broke. I used to make millions of dollars up in Chicago, and I'm down here. He said, my building's paid for, and he brings out two big wads of cash, one out of each pocket. He says – my building's paid for, my car's paid for, and I made $15,000 last year and then winks. And now all of the MDs on the Gulf Coast are calling him and asking him how he did it because they want to bail also. They, they can't keep supporting a system that the doctors aren't being paid. You know, they always thought the doctors were so rich getting all this money. The doctors are being overworked. The insurance companies had money, but now they've got so many insured 
they're not making money. It's 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 going to be a downfall for everyone. You know, when I quit chiropractic was when I got a thirty cent check for something I'd done, you know, six months before. And I told <laughs> Janet, I said I quit. She says we can't afford to quit. I said screw it, I'm going cash. Now it's illegal as heck for a doctor to take cash from a Medicare patient. Yeah, I'm totally out of the system, totally retired. But yeah. well. Not really. Uh, <laughs> Medicare won't let you. Actually, you try to get out of Medicare, they won't let you. Yeah. Okay, I'm sorry, you're still, you're not coming off of it. So, like, so okay. when, when folks gripe about their doctor, whether it's medical, osteopathic, podiatrist, dentist, or chiropractor, it's probably not your doctor. It's not your hospital. That's not the really, that's not the source of your problems. And, you know, I told you I was going to get really controversial, so let me just dive off into it. There is a book called Uncle Sam's Plantation, and it's one of the best books about how the government enslaves people with the way they train you to think. Now, you, you don't necessarily need to – it's written by a young black lady aimed at people that are on welfare. And so just take it in a proper context again, but it shows you how the government has trained us to think and become slaves. Well, you're you're not even being controversial with this audience. You're, <laughs> you're you're almost preaching to the choir at this point, and that's great because, I mean, but I, I absolutely believe that. In fact, you know, kind of the next question I had for you, you're, you're sort of dancing on answering it right there because the pioneers of nutrition gave us a lot of answers. I mean, I look at the work that that was done. Uh, God, his name just went out of my brain for some reason. The the, the dentist that uh, Weston that, Price. Weston Price, and awesome. I look at that. I look at the work that you know Doctor Atkins did. I look at the work uh, that the doctor the doctors Eads have done. Uh, Mary and uh, Mary Jan and I can't remember her husband's name though, but the protein power plant folks. And from way back, a couple hundred years ago. Uh, the work that Lawrence D. Wells did with Comfrey, uh, all of these things, and go, man, we, this is not new. This is not revolutionary. This is what we've been, people have been shouting to us for so long. And, you know, why, well, it almost seems like nobody listens. Now, when you're in a group like I am with this community here, you can lose sight of the fact of how many people don't listen. You actually think, well, there's a lot more of us than there really are because you're, when you're surrounded by people that all have their ears open, like the E.F. Hutton commercial, you, you think people are listening. But the reality is 95% of Americans cannot be bothered to hear this. Mm-hmm. Why? The lack of personal your life at stake, right? Most of them are only interested in weight loss. You know, we actually you make podcasts, and we made one on the food pyramid killing us. There was hardly no one that downloaded it. They're not interested in learning about it. They're interested in why they're fat. But, but there in testosterone. several thousand people more downloaded, or several thousand times more downloaded our testosterone yeah. podcast. Yeah, it's, and it's the food pyramid, folks. Yeah. It's making your testosterone go down, and your hooter not come up. That's so right. <laughs> the root is the food. Man, <laughs> pun intended. So, I've got I've got the weight loss formula. Bill Mollison, the guy that started permaculture, and one of his little like as he got older, he started having some real out there rants that still had brilliance built into him. And one of his lectures, he had one of these moments where he segued out into the world of nether regions that only old men go to. And he said this was his weight loss plan. He said that he had been, I think it was Thailand. 
And there are all these women there that are starving for any nutrition at all. And they, they look just slightly better than some of the photos of survivors of, like, Auschwitz. They're yeah. just barely getting by. And then – and they have nothing. And then over here in the Western world, we have all of these women that are obese and overweight. And they pay lots of money to lose weight and never do. All we have to do is fly them to Thailand, fly the Taiwanese women to America, and let them live in each other's shoes – for six months, the Chinese women might go home a little bit heavy, but overall they'll be in a lot better shape. And I pro he says, I promise you, all these women that say they can't lose weight will lose weight. Now, that's a little bit funny, but here's why I actually told that story. Weight loss in itself does not equal health. Amen. Yeah, that's right. If you have cancer, you're going to lose weight. Okay, that does not mean it's good to have cancer or that the weight loss is good. If you are really sick with just about any illness, you are going to lose weight. That does not mean you're healthy. So weight loss in itself is not health. And we have been by the tabloids. I think that's the thing. The and it's marketing to women. It really is. Yeah. Every other book has a picture of somebody's fat ass on it and why they're fat. <laughs> Or a picture of a skinny butt and how yours can look like that. And that programming is so deep, we actually think that just being a certain size equals being healthy. And that is ridiculous. And that's why when people say, well, how come all the people in Japan that eat rice every day are healthy or healthy? I'm like, well, many of them are, and there's a lot of reasons I could give you that you'll never listen to. But there's a lot of people that are skinny that are dying. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you're you're so much more eloquent than me. A lady comes in not too long ago, and she says, I need to lose 42 pounds before my class reunion. I said, great. How long are you going to give me? She says, three weeks. I said, I got my knife. Let's cut your leg off. So <laughs> you're more eloquent than me. But one of the things, you know, I, I ramble all the time. You kind of have to keep me uh, yeah, reined in. But one of the things people don't realize is we are so full of plastics. Now, we've not dealt with the heavy metals we've known about for many, many decades. We hadn't dealt with that. But we are so full of plastics that that can mimic any disease. And sometimes if they want Parkinson's in rats, they'll just give them, you know, some kind of pesticide. And then 500 rats have, you know, Parkinson's. But these plastics, and it's because of our food, it's because of how we, you know, it's the new car smell, it's the stuff right here on the computer. It can cause or mimic multiple sclerosis inability to lose weight. And there's been a few people that says, well, I'm doing your stuff. I'm not losing weight. And they say, well, I'm eating this, 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 and this. I said, you can't eat that, but I like that. Well, you know, you got to make a choice here. But if you have the inability to lose weight, you're probably full of plastics, and you've got to increase your detoxification pathways. And that don't just mean go to the bathroom and have more bowel movements, although that's very important because we're, as a society, very anal retentive. Okay. <laughs> and the breast, women's breast, and men too, stockpile plastics, prostates stockpile cadmium, and that takes the place of zinc, and that can, one of the many causes of cancer. But there's so much breast cancer going on and on, and it's good that we're aware of it, but then they're wearing little plastic wristbands, and it's like, well, plastic's part of the problem, and, and drinking the RSBT and the milk and all that kind of stuff. So we've got to wake up, and I think you're, it was a good analogy. America has to have their minor heart attack before they get their head out of their rectum and start listening. Yeah, yeah. I mean, can you talk about some of, like, with, with all this, like, the plastics and all that's in our food? Like, what are some of the worst food 
practices that we have right now? Well, you know, the worst food practices is growing it on the soil with, the, you know, the fast food fertilizer. And so you've got a net loss of nutrients, you know, depending on what you read, 6% down to 93% of all your nutrients are lost. And so the food practices, you get into something called monoculture. And we just went on a little vacation, and we went through all kinds of farms, and it was nothing but soybean and corn with the rows completely straight and not a weed in them. So it's full of glyphosate or glyphosate, depending on how you pronounce it, uh, the Roundup Ready stuff. And that has already been shown in hundreds of different research articles to disrupt your enzyme pathways plus the enzyme pathways that's killing the food so it can't take up the fertilizer you're putting in there. Um, then you wrap it in plastic. There was a study done in Puerto Rico on two-year-old girls about how they were developing two, I mean, completely full-blown breast and menstrual cycle as early as two years of age. Well, what do we do to the food that we ship to Puerto Rico? We spray it with pesticides and wrap it in plastic so it gets even a heavier dose of the stuff that we eat every day. Now, that's, that's scary. It's, yeah, no, that is scary. That's, that's absolutely scary. So how do you make wise food choices? I mean, what are the reasonable compromises? We all can't eat 100% locally sourced or backyard-grown food all the time. Sooner or later, most of us have to take a trip to the grocery store. Go, go to your farmer's market, your local farmer's market. Most of your food's coming in over 1,500 miles away. Yeah, the average meal, all the products in your average meal has traveled 1,500 miles, so that time alone has decreased what little nutrients that's already there. You know, you can begin to grow a little bit more. You know, I, I my excuse is I don't have time, so I don't, you know, I, don't, I race chickens, but I don't race cows and all that. But <clears throat> get to know somebody. Uh, you know, I, I, one of your favorite people that I have grown to love out of Holland, New York, I won't mention names, but he, he's a farmer, and it's like I've learned a lot just from listening to him. So you listen to people, and you start building the soil, and some of the things that he does is just ingenious. Uh, you go, I don't know, farmer's market is really good, but... People that are raising the, the cattle, on, and you see them out in the pastures eating the grass that you know they're trying to do it organically, that's a lot better purchase than going to your grocery store. Yeah, if they're eating grass, you just decreased your chance of getting E. coli, you know, several hundred percent from a grass-fed cow versus the one that's eating corn and soy, which is unnatural to a cow anyway. <clears throat> they're not designed to eat that. Uh, let me talk about corn for a minute. People say, but I, I love corn on the cob. Now, this is a worst food practice. Okay. <laughs> Guess what? They have genetically spliced in something called BT or Bacillus thermogenesis, which is a toxic bacterial gene. They've, they put it into the corn, and depending on what you read, 50% of our corn is BT corn or 93 or 94%, depending on who you read. And it, when the corn borewurm eats into this corn, it explodes the insides of the worm that's eating the corn. Now, I've also seen on the Internet, and again, folks, you have to worry about context and content and, you know, listen with a spirit of discernment. I've also heard that you can put cornmeal out on fire ants, and I've not done this, and it kills the fire ant bed. 
Well, it could be just because the BT toxin destroys the insides of the fire ants. Now, I love tortilla chips. Here in East Texas, we got the heavy Hispanic, you know, Mexican food, Tex-Mex. I love tortilla chips, but I feel worse after eating corn than I do anything else. It's not always gluten, folks, and, you know, I'm not a big fan of grain anyway, but pay attention to that. Go load up and eat lots and lots and lots of corn and see if you don't feel hung over the next day. Then there's your sign. Yeah, and I'll tell you what, I think it is a lot to do with the, the BT corn because corn actually is a grain out of all grains that you would say was made by hand. There was actually an article called that, the grain made by hand in Agers Magazine. It has a huge history with human population grown naturally. Uh, it started out as a grain called seoente, which was uh, the, the precursor of all corn. Is this wild corn that grows more like a grass with just like a big seed head on it. Right. And it, it shouldn't be as toxic as it is. Now, the other thing with the BT, BT has been used in organic practices for a long time as a spray. Uh, just increased its natural bacteria into larger contents, and it didn't create superworms, and it didn't make people sick, and it didn't have these problems. But it wasn't molecularly inside the grain of the corn, and when it was sprayed, it was sprayed lightly so that it was more on the tassel uh, of the corn so that when the worm went to get in there, he ate some of it on his way in, and it killed him. Yeah. And this is a bacteria that does exist naturally, doesn't appear to do human beings any harm in its natural state. But I'll tell you what, you've got to be eating a hell of a lot more of it if you're eating a grain that has it molecularly embedded in its genes. Yeah. It's like taking, you know, what they would tell you is, well, organic farmers use it all the time. Well, yeah, but the organic farmer would tell you, don't take a jug of the stuff, pour it into a tablespoon and eat it. Right, just because right. we spray it on there doesn't mean you can do that with it. Well, that's what you're doing. Well, in Tennessee, stuff. you know, in Tennessee, Janet and I sampled uh, some corn whiskey, some moonshine. Yeah. But that doesn't mean you should drink the whole pint of it. <laughs> that's made out of corn. I'm sorry, I just had to interject that. Non-genetically <laughs> modified, of course. <laughs> yeah, I got you. Well, at least the alcohol killed it or killed us caring about it. <laughs> Well, and I think there is room for some compromise. Like I said, yeah. sooner or later, even if you're buying as much as you can from the farmer's market, grown as much as you can, buying organic whenever you can choose, sooner or later, you have to just accept the fact we live in a modern world and there's only so much you can do. Yes. But there are certain things that are worse than others. And to me, most of them exist in the middle of the grocery store. Absolutely. It's, it's, it's all the stuff in a box and in the freezer section. I. I walked down a freezer section just for the hell of it the last time we were at the store and went, I forgot all this stuff even existed. It's been so long since we've eaten that stuff. And then I start looking at it and go, well, that doesn't look that bad. I pull it out and start reading it. And I go, oh, my God, I can't believe I ever did eat this. Oh, that's very true. Uh, you know, Janet's always telling people, shop around the aisles where the fresh fruits and vegetables are and get organic as much as you can. Just the outside edges because they go, what do we buy at the store? I go, just walk around the outside edges and purchase off that and stay out of the middle. And you're pretty good then. Uh, you know, you were talking about Weston Price and Royal Lee, and there's several other pioneers that, you know, they did all this research 50, 75 years ago, and they talked about it then. Well, how much worse has it gotten since then? So that's why I, I'm sorry. I'm not sucking up. I've grown to love your podcast and what you're doing. It's like, holy cow, somebody that actually gets it. 
Yeah, well, it's to be fair, it's something we got over time. I think that's how most people do. You, because when I first heard about GMOs, I'll be honest with you, I thought it was a bunch of hippies making a bunch of noise about a bunch of nothing. <laughs> it just sounded like the most preposterous thing to worry about. And of course, back then they were saying, well, it's only for feed corn anyway. So you know, I bought into the you know the mainstream line of it's equal, it's equal, it's the same. And and when I started to research it. It just it did not add up that you could take something like you know a gene from a fish and splice it into cotton, and then people go, well, why do you even care? Do you think your cotton shirt injects GMOs into your body? And I'm like, well, not really, but I wonder how many things have cotton seed oil and cotton meal in them. A lot of your food does. Yeah, yeah, and that's that's a problem. So most of the people that, you know, they have symptoms or if they just have fatigue and, and they say, well, it's just because I'm getting old. Bull. It's because you've had extra decades to get a higher load of toxins in your body. These plastics are just horrible. And Janet and I, when we were in North Carolina, we stopped in Silva, North Carolina, to this beautiful little brewery, uh, Heinzelhofen or something like that. Had some really good beer. And the kid there says, well, all you got to do is just eat organic. And I said, well, not really. But I didn't interject much in my opinion sure. because I wasn't asked. As you're serving your beer in a plastic cup, the plastic out gases, plastic's one of the worst things on the planet. But can you imagine going back to where you only have wood, glass, and steel to work with? It would be more costly. But that's a good compromise is get rid of styrofoam and plastics. As much as you can, never never microwave anything in a plastic, and styrofoam's even worse. You're asking for cancer if you do that. Uh, then you got to figure to detox. Man, there's a lot of different phases of detoxification. So I tell people, listen with discernment, because now the big thing is, well, if you just increase your sulfur, your body will detoxify. Well, that's only partially true because the liver has 11 different pathways of detoxification, and using sulfur or sulfation is only one of them. So they're saying, well, if you just take MSM, you'll be young, rich, and good-looking. Well, what about the other pathways of detoxification? And then within those, you've got phase one, phase two, which is water-soluble, fat-soluble. So what I'm saying, folks, is, you know, it can get a little complicated. Get somebody you like, somebody you trust, and stick with it. That's the key. Most people have actually stuck with it. A couple of people quit and came back and said, well, I did feel better. I just didn't know till I quit. Mm. It, it takes, you know, it takes a certain amount of time, energy, effort, and money to do this. But is it worth it? Well, it's a $250,000 heart attack versus, you know, two or 300 bucks a month on, you know, taking nutrients to help detox. And then as you're doing all that, you can take the responsibility, reduce the exposure to the toxins, reduce the amount of GMOs. And I'm like you, I don't think you can get rid of them, but you can make more judicious choices, I think. So with all this being said, what do you think the future of healthcare is and what do you think it's going to become? I think people are going to begin to take responsibility and the ones that do are going to live and go on to pass on their much healthier genes because the ones that don't take responsibility, they're going to die. And I know that's an oversimplification. I don't think it's too far off, though. 
but you know when I was a kid it was rare to see anybody with cancer and now I see all kinds of people that have cancer I see it in here and it's like they come in and say can you cure cancer I said no but I can make your body have more tools available we've had a lot of people that died of cancer but they died you know 17 times you know later than what the doctors expected because that we increased the detoxification pathways we just increase increase the quality of life. So I think the future is we got to get. Yeah, let me back up. The condition of your GI tract has everything to do with how you feel mentally. Most of your neurotransmitters that make your brain happy come from your GI tract. So I think the future is people are going to have to get their head out of their dark place and separate the two. If you heal your guts. That's analogous to healing the soil. And once you heal the soil, then the food gets higher quality, higher nutrient levels, decreased toxins. Well, healing the gut is the quickest way to get rid of fatigue and depression and, you know, things like that. I think the future can be good. It's just a matter of taking back responsibility. Realize that we've not been thinking for ourselves. We've only been reacting to what we've been taught or what we see on TV. Quit being a reactionary and be a thinker. Gotcha. Gotcha. So for folks that like they've liked what they've heard today, they'd like to know more about your approach, how can they get in touch with you? How can they work with you? How can they learn more about what you guys are doing? Well, I'll, I'll let Janet have that one in a minute, but I tell everybody. Only do as much as you can sustain. If you can do half of what I tell you to do, that's fine. That's why I give my time away so that you can afford to get well and give it time, have a realistic expectation. But we've gotten some really, really good success, and I'm very grateful to you. We already had a successful business, and it's only gotten better. So I'll let Janet tell you how to get a hold of us because I don't know anything about computers. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's one of the things I wanted to mention is all of our consultations are free. So when you do talk about the cost of the supplements, that's all you're out is the cost of the supplements. And you can do as little or as much as you want. We're not here twisting your arm going, hey, do it all. You know, you take it at your own pace. Um, the lab work, we have it at cost also. Most of our uh, panels of lab, we, we run 10 panels of lab. It's around $150, uh, which is about $3,000 at your doctor's office last time we checked. Um, if you want to get hold of us, you can go on uh, doctorsnutrition.org. It's drsnutrition.org. We have a health survey on there that we have you fill out because we don't like guessing. And we have you com- uh, fill it out as completely and thoroughly as you can. It comes right to our email. We then decide which lab panels you need. If you have recent lab, you can also fax it or, or over to us at 903-663-1036 or email it to us. Um, doctors nutrition at yahoo.com it's drs nutrition at yahoo um, we can use that and get you started so you know it isn't like you've got to be out a whole bunch of money to start experiencing health at least you know what you're headed toward you're not just guessing anymore so um, phone number 877-663-1008 if you want to talk to one of us here if you don't know what you need to do we, we, we try to be available to help well, guys, I appreciate you being back on. I think we've worn out a good full hour here, and I think we've gotten some great information. And I appreciate you guys having been on with us today. And uh, thank you for taking the time to be with us today. And thank you for all the help you've been to uh, members of the audience so far and, and 
frankly, right here at home uh, with, with my wife, Dorothy. Well, you're welcome, and we look forward to helping everyone further. Thank you, Jack. All right, folks, and with that, this has been Jack Spierka today along with Dr. Stephen Lewis and his wife, Janet Lewis, helping you figure out how to live that better life if times get tough or even if they don't. Seeing our food these days, you know it's on our TVs. Sometimes we forget we are what we eat. I don't know the answer. It's like there's nothing I can do. It's the price we pay, I guess, when we follow all the rules. There's a better way to do this. Let me show you a better way. Nobody up there cares.